My name is Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. This week, my special guest is Thea Gilmore. Thea is just about to release her new self-titled album, and she speaks about the great freedom and joy she now has for creativity after escaping a period of a more controlled way of working. We talk about her influences, what it's like to be a songwriter, the music industry in general, and much, much more. So please subscribe and enjoy this podcast. Joining me today on my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters, is Thea Gilmore. Thea, how are you doing? I am really good. Yeah, cheers. Good to be here. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, My first question for you is, um, here today, right now, how do you feel about being a songwriter? Um, I feel exactly the same as I've always felt about being a songwriter, which is insanely lucky to be able to do it as a job. Um, And uh, the process of songwriting for me has always been the bit that I love more than anything. It's that that kind of magic moment where all of a sudden something exists that wasn't there, you know, five, ten minutes ago. And that's always been just so exciting to me in terms of being a musician in the current climate. That's hard. Um, and a little bit scary but the songwriting part that will always be magic for me yeah that's the kind of uh, mystery and the magic and the love of it isn't it I asked because you wrote a really interesting post on social media a few weeks ago which is very well balanced about the kind of reality or people's perception of being a kind of millionaire songwriter <laughs> and you gave a reality to to what that actually is but then you balanced it with the actual feeling of being a millionaire because you are able to write songs and have that kind of experience and sometimes I think people looking in from the outside who perceive people to have had a level of success sometimes don't see the reality but also sometimes there's a uh, propensity for songwriters and artists to kind of moan about the reality and I think you really balance the kind of like actual reality of being an artist the good side and the bad side really well. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am really good at moaning. In fact, I, I seem to, I seem to, my most popular posts seem to be me whinging about something or other. Um, and it, it, you know, it is hard. There's no point in in pretending that it's not. But but I do consistently wake up every morning and 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 remind myself how lucky I am to to be able to call this a job. And the, and it is. You, you're right. That it's it's the magic of it. The the kind of the joy of creating something. Um, outweighs the uncertainty of, uh, you know, whether you're going to earn enough money to pay the mortgage that month, um, just about. But uh, but I do think, you know, I do think that there's certainly a lot of people who look at the music industry, and I would have to say the industry and artists are party to this. There's a sort of um, mystery to it that makes people, outside observers, assume that um, that everything's rosy and that you know that that people who like you say have some level of success are doing okay or are are millionaires and i i think i don't think that there's any harm in kind of pointing out the realities of that because ultimately everyone in the world is just trying to to earn a living and i do think that there is value and and real sort of finance obviously there's huge cultural value but but real financial value too in 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 creating um and i don't think that we should forget that our creators not only are extremely important, um, but they do deserve to earn a living as well. You know, this is a this is a job that you work and train and 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 put hours and hours, years, thousands of hours into into becoming really good at. And and in as in any career, you deserve sort of 
you know to earn from that it's important so and I do worry you know I look at our young creators I'm I'm definitely one of the lucky ones you know I kind of just slid in under the radar before everything kind of you know everything became free I suppose and uh but I look at, at kids you know I've got I've got children I've got a 16 year old who's passionate about music and I worry desperately he's got so much to say and so much to offer but I am really concerned that he's not going to be able to make a living in music and that you know I, I I suppose I wanted to point out to people that we have to find ways of supporting our creators or we'll just lose them yeah well said <clears throat> do you think the um sometimes you get associated with like causes in your music like politics um being an example of that do you think it's important um for you as a songwriter to to talk about issues is that something which is important for you in terms of being a writer as well as just expressions of who how you're feeling I think yes but but that's not because I'm a writer and it's not because it's just because I'm a person yeah. um and you know I think none of us walk around in a bubble we're all engaging with the world we're engaging with politics we're engaging with one another you know both personal politics and, and global politics it's it's deeply important that we're engaged with the world and I suppose the only difference is that that I sort of just vomit it out in songs whereas other people will you know have a conversation about it around a pub table for example or you know um on the phone and and I never understand this kind of concept of keep politics out of out of your music because my music is is a is a part of it's an expression of everything that I am and and I have political opinions some may agree with them some may not and that's fine you know I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I have all the answers, but I can't keep politics out of music because it's part of who I am. And if I kept politics out of my music, you'd be hearing, you know, half of, of the person that I am. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, I think you're right. I think an artist has, should be given, well, should claim the right and should be given the right to talk about anything. You know, it's, yeah. it's, that's the point of being an artist, isn't it? Absolutely. Your new track, I heard the other day, Nice, um, uh, sorry, Nice Normal Woman is an amazing track. And I didn't kind of expect it actually, but like it was very, very musically fascinating, lyrically brilliant. Tell us about that track and the creation of that track. And is that sound something which we can expect to, on the new album? Yeah, I think this, I, I keep referring to um, this new album as, as definitely as a bit of a Marmite record because the, I think some people will really enjoy it. And I think there are people that will really hate it. Um, I kind of like that. But, um, but yeah, Nice Normal Woman. <clears throat> I've, I'm I'm just fascinated by all all styles of music, and I I love dance music, and I love electronica, and and I've had a sort of kind of musical new beginning really over the last few years, where I've been I've sort of wrested control of my own music making and my own production, and basically what you're hearing on that is is me experimenting, flexing my muscles. Um, I've got a, a Patreon uh, site which has sort of really really fostered my music making in that it's a very sort of safe space to share new ideas with people that I know won't tell me I'm I'm a dickhead for, for trying new things which is lovely because I've I've probably been overly timid in the past I think um so nice normal woman you know is me playing around with electronica a lot of it done at home and then brought into a studio to sort of put the the sort of um finishing touches to it and also me playing with spoken word which I love you know I I, I my whole kind of love affair with with words really started with poetry and 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 writing like silly little novels when I was a kid so so I've always loved kind of you know written word and spoken word and so I've sort of 
kind of almost come full circle and, and brought that back into the music that I'm making. And it was really a, I suppose, kind of like a, a look at the way that we are led to believe that unless you have, particularly as women, actually, we're led to believe that unless you have a big, loud, enormous, um, explosive life, then your life is not worth talking about. Mm. And I like the idea of people just going about their daily life, creating beauty and magic and, and wonder in very small ways. And actually that's kind of what we all do, but we don't really talk about it. And I think that was that was the idea behind it, very much inspired by by Betty Davis's line in in All About Eve, where she says, write me one about a nice normal woman who just shoots her husband, which I, you know, I that's one of my favorite films of all time. And, and again, it's a, a film about the process of gr growing older as a woman in the entertainment industry, which fascinated me and continues to fascinate me and her sort of elegance in in kind of like depicting that that Margot Channing character in these, you know, this beautiful sort of artistry that she embodied being sort of usurped by by the younger generation. Well, I just thought it, it was really interesting. So I kind of like mixed it all up together and, and kind of like it was a big mashed potato of spoken word. It's a brilliant track and it's lyrically superb. When, when you talk, there's a lot of, I run a lot of nights and one of the things I've noticed is that it is predominantly still 70 to 80% led by men. And when I run these nights and showcases, uh, I've always encouraged original music and also try to create like the safe space for female artists to come and perform. Obviously, as a male artist, I don't know the difficulty of, um, if, there, if there is a difficulty being a female artist in the music industry. How have you found that? Is that something which you've had to kind of, do you feel like you've had to battle in a male-led industry or do you think now there's a sort of more uh safer space to exist in I think I think it's still hard it's very it's, it's difficult for me to be able to kind of make any big sweeping statements about this um yeah. in that I the first sort of 20-ish years of my career were completely dominated by by men and and in the end I completely lost everything that I that I was at the hands of that and I'm just sort of kind of just coming out of the other side of that now um I think that I think it's a mix I think there are some incredibly um brilliant supportive people um particularly men actually who who really do try and give like you've just said safe spaces that that you can occupy but I think it's it's kind of more than that I think that the way and again, these are sweeping generalizations, which I, I hesitate to make, but I'll, I'll just say it from my point of view. From my point of view, the way that I see men making music and women making music is very different. Um, perhaps it's because it has historically been a very male dominated environment. I think men are quite big and bombastic and quite loud and confident music makers. And women that I have witnessed, and certainly myself, tend to be, tend to do things quieter and by that I don't mean quieter you know I mean metaphorically quieter they, they sort of like they they will they will kind of keep their own counsel and keep it quite close yeah and I've found um I'm very hesitant to to sort of try new things in front of people because because I'm aware that there are you know hundreds of generally speaking men who can do this job better or you know play a better guitar solo or, or play a better piano part but actually if you continually outsource that to people who do it better than you you sort of lose 
you lose yourself um, mm. and you lose what you're trying to convey. And actually, a lot of the time, it's better to just to, to be the, at the center of it and, and don't outsource. But do it. Me finding the confidence to to not to not just hand stuff over has been a real part of just changing my attitude and 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 just feeling more at the center of things. And I do think women very often, because there's so many men and they're you know all generally speaking so talented, they tend to just kind of lose lose the center a little bit. Mm. And I think it's it's finding that quiet space where and and those people who are prepared to support you in being the center and not just go oh yeah well I can I can play that lick or I can write that bit mm. um sort of over the top I think that's been really important for me so whilst I've never I mean there have been times where as a woman I've sort of felt in dangerous situations generally speaking I've worked with men who are supportive but still quite dominant and I, and I think that's that's the difference it's it's finding people to work with that don't want to kind of dominate or feel that they have the sort of if this sounds terrible but the kind of the divine right like like this is what we do this is we're we're the kind of the fixers and and we will make your music what it needs to be I mm. think that's that's been my my key very interesting answer it's just a fascinating because I think as we spoke about issues I think we're living through a time where there is like a kind of uh obviously a movement towards respect more respect and towards women which is absolutely the way it should be and I think as the man, you are unconscious, there is like an unconsciousness about how you might impact a female artist. So it's just quite interesting to hear you you talk about that. There are a couple of things you've raised already and something I've been aware of. I first came across your music with an interview you did on Janice Long's show around the time you were doing Afterlight. And it was a really interesting conversation. And she she was very supportive of my band and has was very supportive of you, Bessa. Um, so this regeneration of yourself as an artist, which I presume kind of began with the afterlife, kind of, um, yeah. what was behind that and what have you learned from so far from that kind of regeneration? Because I'm really interested in people's careers and when someone decides to kind of let go of something or regenerate for some reason, that's a really fascinating aspect to someone's career. So what was behind that kind of need to just shift something and what have you learned well um i i mean i started making music when i was 16 years old so i was, I was super young um and super lucky um you know I, I sort of seemed to land on my feet over and over again in some ways um but obviously 16 i was a kid yeah but basically i i met um a producer who who became my producer and also became my husband um for the entire 20 23 years that I, that I was with him I never made a record with anybody else right. um and I as a 16 year old I was a real sort of you know super creative probably slightly arrogant and annoying um 16 year old but definitely had a kind of had a vision and a direction but gradually over the years I think probably because I was in a relationship with this person and this person was significantly older than me you know tw 20 plus years older than me so had a very different experience in in the music industry than I was having and was kind of applying all of those experiences into my career and it became a very controlling relationship I I I, I that's what I mean really I kind of completely lost my creative self and all the rest of me but I, I also had children so I was sort of juggling that whole motherhood um being a creator and I you know the, the main sort of earner of the family as well but at the same time my partner was literally controlling everything the music that was coming out every you know every record that was written 
with a mind to to radio for example was was co-written had to be co-written there was no option of asking other producers it was it was very kind of tightly controlled and as a result of that my creative self just just kind of fizzled out I was still writing and and still you know making things that I was kind of proud of but I was I would look I look back at those records now and I can hear so little of my input in them that they don't really feel like my records they're more like his records so when that relationship um finally kind of ended there was a massive shit moment because my whole world my whole creative world was so bound into that I thought I don't know whether there's anything of me left Mm. and then gradually as the months went on and I got further away from it and I saw what had really been going on the kind of creative part of me started to to sort of grow again and and for example I I completely stopped listening to music completely stopped so for the probably the last seven years of that relationship I didn't really seek out new music I wasn't listening to stuff I was just creating my own stuff and and getting on with being a mom they were the things I was doing and and I started to listen to stuff that that I enjoyed things that I wanted to to explore and and it kind of it just totally regenerated my passion and my enthusiasm and so Afterlight was born from that as a kind of like drawing a complete line underneath what Thea Gilmore had been up to that point and that's not to say that I'm not proud of some of the work that I did back then and some of it I stand by some of it I don't and there's some of it that I will literally never play again but Afterlight was a kind of like I didn't want to make a Thea Gilmore record because I wanted it to be something different and I wanted a real full stop um and it wasn't that I was going to be Afterlight forever necessarily um but I just didn't want anything associated with my name and I didn't want I didn't want anything associated with his name either it had to be something completely new and the record that came out was I suppose a bit of a a sort of emotional howl really it was it was a kind of like you know a bit a bit of a a howl at the moon and a a kind of like right we start again but but it's it's painful Mm. it's a tremendous record and you know that interview you did with Janice and that album had a profound impact on me and I think it's a very brave thing to do to kind of become awakened of a situation and to see that and to move through it and then be born again I think that's a very um it's a phoenix rising moment isn't it it's a it's a painful yet necessary kind of uh, experience to go through yeah i mean I, I part of me wishes i'd gone gone through it 15 years earlier but you can't you can't always get what you want but um but yeah it was it was it felt kind of dangerous at the time um and it and looking back on it now i i'm i'm so glad it happened but when you're in the middle of it it's sort of everything everything felt very kind of on the edge and like like there was a high chance it could just topple over a cliff. Yeah, sure. I mean, wonderful that you've managed to kind of win back, not win back, sorry, um, kind of find that enthusiasm for your own creativity and listening to music again and and to now be putting that into your music. You, you kind of working on your own with producers or are you producing yourself at the moment? So at the moment I'm producing myself, as far as I'm concerned, I'll never say never to anything. I I just... I I'm really enjoying um 
production ideas um, and, and because it's something that I've never done I've never produced myself I've always had a producer and it's always been the same producer and the result of that of course is that you make the same record over and over and over again um, so for me just just flexing my muscles at home in a really safe space where there's no one watching me and I can just try stuff out and then I work um, very closely in a studio um, up in Manchester with an engineer who is one of those incredibly supportive men that I was talking about who who has extreme talent lots of opinions but he he never ever stands in the way or gets in the way he will he will quietly suggest something and if you if you don't like it or or it doesn't gel with what what I'm hearing he just he'll just back off and kind of like and also he's one of those people where because I'm my technical ability is is limited I know that I can say to him I need this to sound woolly and he will know exactly what that means and and he will he will head straight for that sound and he'll get it straight away and it's that that sort of really sensitive working relationship that you find with somebody and I don't think you find it often and I'm really lucky to to have that with him he's called Shana and he's just an absolute dream you're right that language sometimes where the t there is a gap I'm the same as my technical knowledge is fine to a point but that freedom of being able to say to somebody, I want it to sound more midnight blue. And then for yeah. them to stand that is like yes. really rare and it's so helpful, isn't it? If you're it really is. Yeah. You're painting from imagination. It's such a useful friend and tool to have. It is, yeah. So when you write a song, I mean you're obviously lyrically, you're known for like being such a great lyricist and you've spoken about poetry and being influenced by poetry. So when you write songs now, is it is it kind of lyrics first? I know it's a classic question, lyrics first or music, but what's your general kind of um, habit of writing? I, um, it really does vary. It, I, I would say more often than not, I will get some kind of lyrical idea, whether it's a title or some kind of lyrical direction. And that will, I have, as I'm, most songwriters do, I have, you know, books upon books and, and voice note upon voice note of, of ideas, generally speaking, lyrical ideas that, that are kind of like the little coat hangers that I will begin to build a song on. Um, sometimes, sometimes it all comes at once. It's very rare for a melodic idea to come first for me. Very, very rare. In fact, I'm not sure I can think of a song where the melodic idea came first. There probably is one or two, maybe. Um, but generally speaking, it's because it, the words have always been the thing that have, are most important to me. Um, and to me, the, the the music, the melody is is a delivery system, if you like, for the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of influences um, when you started out at 16, 15, 16, who, who were your kind of initial influences in terms of lyrics? Well, you see, my dad was a huge music fan and, and my um, my record my record collection was his record collection I didn't have records of my own and and he you know he was passionate about Dylan and passionate about the Beatles and then from there it's sort of like you know you start to explore the classic songwriters so lyric I mean I remember when I discovered Tom Waits and it he just blew my mind the kind of this sort of strange kind of theatrical darkness that I just fell in love with and you know Len Leonard Cohen saying this you know this the, the way that he used words and constantly took you by surprise you, you know because he delivered in such a, a sort of morose way but actually he was so incredibly funny with his words and I, I I love that so so that was kind of like the progression of what I was listening to because everybody else you know I, I grew up in the in the 90s and, and it was 
you know, obviously it's, it was Britpop. So everyone was kind of listening to Oasis and Blur and I liked them both. Um, but it, but it was always about the lyrics and, and those guys to me at the time just didn't fire me up lyrically in the same way that the, that the old guard did. So, but it, I suppose a mix of the two was a kind of, you know, that's a good upbringing really. <laughs> Of great upbringing of music. You've, uh, uh, Jane Byers, you've told of her and she's been someone you've worked with. I heard a track of hers the other day, Diamonds and Rust, which is a stunning song about her. Really stunning. With Dylan from a different sort of vantage point. What kind of influences she had on you? I guess your friends and kind of collaborators to some degree and kind of uh, have toured. So what's her influence or what have you learned from her? Um, she She's an extraordinary energy Joan Byers um I it, it, she's almost impossible to describe because she's she feels slightly otherworldly but at the same time incredibly down to earth you know she's not there's no sense of artifice about her she is absolutely what you expect her to be um but what you expect her to be is slightly godly and that's exactly what she is um the great the, the kind of really interesting thing about Joan Byers is is that that actually, apart from Diamonds and Rust, and I think a couple of others, she's not a writer. She, her 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 kind of you know immense talent comes in interpreting other people's songs, which I've always found really really interesting. And I'm lucky enough to say that she she she, she covered one of mine as well, which is just like a, a, an incredible moment. But but I think Diamonds and Rust is probably one of the best songs ever written. I think you're absolutely right. And I, and it always, I never quite plucked up the courage to say, why don't you do more of this? <laughs> Write yeah. more. Um, because I'd love to know, you know, she's such an incredible person. I'd love to know what's in her head. Um, but she, I suppose, what did she teach me? Um, to keep going, I think. that The sort of, the art of not giving up. You know, she 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 has a, a strength and a, and a sort of, wisdom about her that it, it would be very hard to replicate but she she there's a sort of and she's also there's a kind of slightly maternal vibe to her as well so when she when you're touring with her and she properly takes you under her wing and she's really you know she's she's kind of there for you which really surprised me because I expected someone of her standing to just be distant and aloof but you know she was offering the the bed in her tour bus to to my tour manager who'd been driving all night and she she's just so I suppose that you can be a legend and be incredibly kind and incredibly down to earth and and just a real person at the same time, you know, and I don't know how you do that, but she does it. Well, that's fabulous to hear that. And that's, you know, it's nice to hear that those people do exist, that you can have that level of fame and legendary status, but actually be very kind as well. That's a, yeah. a kind of a good avatar to um, model ourselves on, isn't it, going forward in life? Yeah, I think so. Tell me about your inspiration. Sorry, tell me about your relationship with um, your inspiration. It's something which I ask all the songwriters that come on this podcast, and the answers are really interesting from person to person. So, do you is that something for you which is craft, otherworldly? What do you feel about your relationship with the muse, with the unseen, with the unknown, with inspiration? How would you describe your relationship with that? Um. I think guilt actually I think is what what I would describe it as it feel to me um it feels like a degree of I was going to say parental guilt but that's not quite what it is it's but you know that feeling where you're not no matter how much time you spend with it you're not spending enough time with it or no matter how uh no matter how much attention you're giving 
your creativity there's always more you can give and and there's all so it's a sense of guilt that you're not and also fear I think I'm I think I'm quite a fear-driven person and I I am scared that it'll leave me and that if I don't pay it enough attention it'll leave me um so and that all sounds really negative which maybe is why I write sad music I don't know but but that but but it is very definitely there's a sort of a sense of that creativity is better than me and I have to run to catch up you know and, and almost like you don't really deserve it so you better you better really keep keep reaching for it and keep trying and keep doing better than before keep going keep going because one day it's not going to be there for you mm. do you think it's something inside you or do you think it's outside of you then so like a force outside of you definitely a force outside okay and has, it, has it ever left you like you said that the fear is that it would leave you have, have you ever had periods where you felt it leave um yes I have absolutely and that's generally when I'm not paying it enough attention um so I think that's why so certainly sort of during having children particularly my second child there was a period where um I've always been really lucky where if I've sort of thought I want to write a song or I need to write a song I can generally speaking sit down and create something that 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 I am at least vaguely proud of and there have been times where I've gone to do that um where I've been sort of not ignoring it but but it's not been at the absolute forefront of my mind and it's just it has just left me not for long um and generally speaking when that happens what what I tend to do is kind of give a give myself a degree of creative input so I'll read more or I'll listen more or or something like that and then it, it will slowly start to seep back but it's always a terrifying moment it's like oh my god I can't do it anymore I can't do it it's gone um so yeah it it hasn't happened that often but it does definitely happen amazing answer it's uh I'd know that fear and uh it's something what I've lived with sometimes and that, that it's a really interesting answer that guilt feeling of it is does feel like something you're lucky to have in your life and there's a responsibility to to find it so it's that's a fascinating answer actually um in terms of new influences you've spoken about those kind of influences of the past and growing up what or who is influencing you at the moment and has influenced you in this new album I mean there's just so much incredible music out there there's just so much it's like if if you were to go through my playlists and it, it, you couldn't you know you, you couldn't find a common thread in in my playlist which I love so I'm listening to everything from Arab Strap that you know some of the new Arab Strap stuff is amazing Fontaine's DC amazing I keep going on and on about Ren um right. who obviously has just had a number one album which is just magic but I mean he to me is so much more than a musician artist he's he's like a prophet and to me the idea that someone like that can be so deeply talented have so much to say and is connecting to kids and has got a you know is an independent has got a number one record at the moment who, who's just sort of risen up through sort of social media channels to me he represents real hope for the music industry and for music in general because he's doing something else he's doing something other and he's he is clearly something other as well so I listen to a lot of, of his work but I also you know I, I love 
I love London grammar. I love cigarettes after sex. I love, I still listen to all the, to, to all the classics. I, I just love consuming everything. My, like my youngest kid is massively into Tyler, the creator and, and, um, you know, uh, Childish Gambino and he's introducing me and I, I just love it. I just, I, everything. I just want to hear it all. That is the joy of having, like, I, I have a 19-year-old daughter who's very, very connected to great music. And it's lovely to be to be fed. Well, to have creative children, isn't it? It's such a joy to have creative children who kind of can feed uh, influences your way and to, to hear what they've got to say about the world and what they create. Absolutely. It's it's so exciting. I mean, my, my eldest is uh, massively into sort of, like, metal <laughs> and but he plays violin so he's kind of making music that that is like metal violin which is you know I know there have been metal violinists out there but I've not really heard that much and he's in and he's composing and doing great things in that world and and so I've got all these crazy influences coming from from all of them and I yeah it, it is a real joy having having your kids share that with you you when you're talking about Ren something which popped up to me which I really like about him is his absolute honesty in his lyrics and in revealing who he is. Um, as a writer, lyric writer, there are times where we can be really, really honest and there's times where we can hide behind imagery or character. How important is honesty to you as a songwriter and revealing yourself? Okay, so I think they're two separate things. Okay. On Honesty is hugely important. I um. I'm a terrible liar, so I I couldn't create something that wasn't honest. But I think it's possible, and I've definitely been guilty of this in the past. I think it's possible to be honest, but also be hiding. Um, okay. And I, and and it actually, it's almost unique, I think, to songwriting that you can you can create something that is completely honest and completely truthful, but it's so obtuse that that you can't be found you know you are at the at the center of it hiding somewhere but but someone has to just dig through layers of metaphor to to reach you and most people don't they don't you know most people aren't kind of deep divers into into lyrics they they take things at surface level and then they move on and I kind of like layered songs and I like I like doing a deep dive. That's something that I really enjoy. Um, and it comes from my love of lyrics. But I think that I'm trying with every song I write to get a bit closer to the surface of, of it all so that I can be found a bit more easily. Mm. And I, I've got to be honest, I find that quite hard. So it's all honest, but it's just, I'm trying to get to a point where you don't have to dig as deep sure. to find to find me at the, at the center of it. But I I, I want... I want to be more visible and more connected to the people who actually take the trouble to, to listen to the music I make. It's really interesting that I think sometimes one can actually imagery or kind of um, uh, layering and sometimes it can be really difficult when you when you kind of come from a poetic background to just say something like I am hurt because this feels too blunt. It feels too yes. often. But actually sometimes that kind of um, really blunt simple I am feeling this is as beautiful as something kind of layered and fragrant with words totally agree I totally agree and and also um 
when people are used to listening to to the to the sort of poetic imagery when you just say something outright it, it's a shock and and i think the i think the shocking element to to lyrics i certainly underuse um so yeah i'm, I'm definitely try, trying more um you've recently written a stunning song actually which it really kind of made me have a little weep this morning i have to be honest with you um she speaks in colors tell me about that experience and uh, where that came from, that song? Well, that was, I was asked um, by Radio 2 to do a, uh, they they had this initiative um, called 21st Century Folk, where they paired, um, I think it was six different songwriters or sets of songwriters with a real person um, in the northeast of England. And the, the person would tell the songwriters about their life, and then you had to go away and, and write, write a song about them. And um, I was paired with a, an incredible woman called Delith Raffle um, and her whole family actually, but particularly Delith, who um, lost her daughter, her 16 year old daughter to anaphylaxis. Um, so obviously a, a really tragic, tragic story. Um, but Delith herself is just the most extraordinary human being who is full of life and, and positivity and um, just, she's just so engaged and so engaging. And the whole family, you know, are trying really hard to turn this awful sort of situation, awful tragedy in their lives into something positive by creating a charity, um, sort of drawing attention to, to allergies in, in people. And it, it, it was the strangest experience because when I, normally when I write a song, I have no responsibility to anybody but myself. But this was firstly didn't feel like my song yeah because they had ownership of it because it was their story it was it was Della's story it was Ellen Ellen the daughter's story um and the weight of responsibility to get that right it was really so intense um and and really quite it's probably the most stressful sort of songwriting experience I've ever had but also the most the most rewarding because at the end of it I think I created something for Delith and her family that actually really did represent Ellen and really did represent what she stood for. Um, but it was it was quite something at the time of doing it, definitely. You, you really did create something very powerful and very respectful and very inspiring and moving and in, inspirational. And it's funny, you know, just something came to mind a second ago. I wrote a song once called Boy on my band's first album, which was just about me trying to just say I had a bit of a broken heart, really, and I'm a boy trying to make things work. And a fan who um, kind of loved that song had a little baby boy who sadly died of a heart problem. And I was asked to go and play at his funeral. So suddenly I'm on stage with this little tiny coffin playing this song, Boy, about a boy who's got a broken heart to his family. And you find sometimes that the power of songwriting, when you've written something for yourself or you've been asked to write something or deliver a song actually to an event to soundtrack something, which people want to kind of, um, having their lives, sorry, there's a click sounding, um, is quite a staggering, you realise the power of what songs are, which references back to what you were saying about your Facebook post the other day. These sometimes are big moments in life and a song is something which is like massively important and sometimes they're just entertainment, but now and again, like with that song, She Speaks Colours, or the song I'm referring to, I wrote, the, the, you realise the power of song, don't you? That is more than at times it's more than just a piece of music it's a, something which shapes lives absolutely and also that that the second 
that song is in the world it's not yours anymore yeah. it becomes who you know it belongs to to the ears that are listening to it at the time and I, th I think that's something that when I was a kid I definitely didn't realize even though I consumed music in that way I didn't realize that there was a, a deep sort of power in that and that that you were making uh, living things you know that's what I always think of songs as they are living breathing entities that don't stay the same they don't stay what you intended them to be they as soon as they leave you they become something else they become and they become a million different things as well to a million different people they do and they also keep changing don't they and growing and in a way they get added to and sort of like water they kind of change their meanings and you come it's, it's a fascinating thing your fan base are very loyal and loving and supportive and I suppose in a sense that you you know your songs are their songs um what's your relationship with your fan base like and how do you feel their support uh, it's it's incredible uh, and I'm so lucky and again I I you know part of that is because I I started making music at, a, at probably the last decent time for beginning in the music world um and they've grown up with me they've grown with me um and a lot of them are a, a sort of a generation older than me as well who kind of you know were the original sort of 60s generation who consumed music in a completely different way to the way that people do now which and, and also they're lyric listeners as well that which is is hugely important to, to an artist like me genuinely uh, I mean I, I mentioned my Patreon I couldn't exist without the people who are passionate enough to, to be um, patrons I simply couldn't make uh, working in music work for me financially so so they are more than just support they are you know they're they're, they're literally sort of holding me up holding me above water which which is wonderful but but also creatively they there's never a kind of I, I I do sense with a lot of artists particularly much bigger artists there's this sort of need to 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 keep writing the same song to keep making the same record and I never feel that with the people who support me they're always interested in the sort of experimentation which I think again to be able to to give an artist that kind of sense of creative freedom it's very rare um and I credit them with all of the crazy things that I've sort of felt able to do in the last few years and the the weird sort of sounds that I've been able to make is because they don't make me worried that they're just going to sort of flounce off in a huff because I haven't written London again or something. Um, and I love that. And, and you know, I, I did a gig the other day where I kind of mashed two songs together, a really old one from 2001 and, and Nice Normal Woman. And and they love that too, that sort of playfulness and experimentation. They're a very playful crowd. And, and I think that's, that's just a lovely thing as a performer and, and a writer. Fantastic. And I also think it's quite important for an artist to remember that, you know, you can sort of, you don't have to repeat something, you know, the, the audience has more uh, about them possibly than you think, you know. Yes. Uh, important to kind of not treat them like they just want the same thing. You know, can, people are willing to go a bit further than you might think sometimes. Yeah. Um, a couple more questions, if you don't mind. Uh, so if you were to give advice to songwriters, what advice would you give them? Uh, I'm going to uh, quote uh, a, a friend and a, a novel writer, um, Neil Gaiman here, and just say, write. It's really simple. There, there, there's no, there is a magic to it, but you'll find it if you just write. Um, I don't, 
I have been asked to take songwriting seminars and, and courses and I don't know what to say because that's the trick. You sit down and you write. You know, I could say, look for a lyric or a phrase that inspires you or listen to lots of music and, and that might work for some people and it might not work for others. And there is only one way to write a song and that's to write a song. <laughs> that's it. You're absolutely right. This is, is, you know, you can kind of, I mean, we're, we're obviously talking about songwriting for the podcast, but at the end of the day, it's as simple as if you want to be a songwriter, right? It's like, yeah, it really is. It really is. And keep writing. And, you know, as a songwriter now, you're still doing that, right? You're looking for the next mystery, the next hit. It's like not a hit of, I mean, like the next hit of kind of inspiration. It's yeah. like still doing that. That's the journey. And the other thing is you will never be, satisfied either and if you are then it's probably over you know if if I if I write a song that I go oh my god that's brilliant I think I'll probably never write another song again because where's the drive where's the you know where's the passion I, I want to write something better than the last one and once I stop once I think I've written the best song I can write then what's the point are you critical of your songwriting yourself oh god yeah and also it changes it changes all the time. You know, I, I'll write a song and think, oh, that's pretty good. And then, you know, a month, a year, 10 years later, I'll go, that's awful. And I'll be embarrassed by it. it it's like, I, I always liken it to looking looking at sort of old photos of yourself when you're a kid, you know, and, and, you know, when you think you looked all right when you were sort of 14, now you just cringe and want to hide. And that, that is, the I think that's the creative process for me certainly anyway it's just this sort of like constant cycle of oh that's quite good oh my god I'm so embarrassed and then move on to the next thing and I kind of like that you know I like that it's funny that that metaphor of the um you know the bad photo from a family album this I once bought a very hideous yellow shirt and wish I hadn't have done that but in a way I was like that's me trying to just express something and so in the same way as a song it's like Hey, I was expressing this thing, and that's that's as valid as the kind of thing I'm really proud of because they all lead it to each other, right? It's a dominant. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, everything's connected. Everything's linked. Um, yeah. I mean, there are a few links of the chain that I would I would happily cut out <laughs> and rejoin. <laughs> but you know. Um. So thank you for your time. I'm going to just ask you one final question before we kind of speak about where people can find your new work and when it's coming up. But if you could have written any song, um by anybody else, if you could have lived with that song in your head, what song would you choose by another artist to have written? Um, I, I probably suffer quite a lot from artist jealousy, I think. Um, so there's a lot of them, but the one that popped into my head immediately is Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen, just because it's lyrically mind-blowingly good. But ask me in five minutes and I'll probably have a different answer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you will have a different answer, but it's um, I'm, I'm going to collate a playlist of all these uh, songs that people have chosen because it's very interesting to just ask in a minute what what is the kind of what is the answer. Yes. Uh, so tell us about your where people can find you and how they can support you and when your new album's out and uh, all the kind of news that we need to pass on to these listeners. <laughs> well, uh, my, I've got a new album coming out on the 17th of November. It's self-titled, so it's just the first self-titled album I've ever made, actually. Um, so it's just called Thea Gilmore. And you can find me on all the usual channels. I'm, I blather on Facebook rather a lot, and uh, I'm on Instagram, um, all under the Thea Gilmore name. And theagilmore.net is my website. So, uh, yeah, come and say hi. Fantastic. Thank you, Thea, so much for your time, and good luck with the album. Really appreciate your um, time today. Thanks very much, Elijah. Cheers. 
Well, thanks for listening to that conversation with Thea Gilmore. And I'm just here to remind you, you can now pick up my book, The Songwriter's Handbook, uh, from Amazon or on PayPal. And it, the book is full of 52 ideas, themes and subjects for you to explore in your own mind and think about and maybe um, find a seed or a spark for a song, a lyric, a poem or a piece of creative writing. So um, if you do get yourself a copy, please do uh, leave a review on Amazon. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. Bye-bye now.